Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Amen. We're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit, and I want you to all do this. Would you all take a Take a big, deep breath and hold it when you get to the top. We're going to do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Hold it. I'm looking for singers. <laughs> Breathe out. How many of you made it to the end? Let's be honest. That's not bad. Everyone else, we know that they were smokers. No offense. I could have kept going. Did you feel that, though? Did you fill your lungs with that, with that precious oxygen? All right? And when you expelled it, you expelled what? Carbon dioxide, what else do we call it though? Your breath. Your breath. Some people in front of you, their hair is a little bit singed now, but that's okay. We breathe in, we breathe out, and that is called breath. And this is one of the terms for the Holy Spirit. He is the breath of God. Pneuma. He is like the wind. I was reading a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. No, was it Charles Spurgeon? I forget. I was reading several different things this week. And um, this one individual I was reading, he was talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit and the way he described it. And we're going to talk some more about that this morning. The way he described it was that we cannot contain the Holy Spirit, but we can be filled by him. It's like a ship at sea that has its sails set just the right way, and they are filled with the wind. And that ship at sea only goes where the wind will blow it. Oh, we can trim our sails and do different things, but it requires the wind for sailing. This is what we need to do. We need to be in submission to the Holy Spirit. Last week, I ripped through the end of that, or two weeks ago, because I didn't want you to leave empty-handed. And I want to get into a little bit more detail this week. So if you have your Bibles or the Bible app, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. 5, verse 15 through 21. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we have some pretty strong admonitions there. Who is, who is uh, Paul, the apostle, writing to? Is he writing to Christians or non-Christians? Christians. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. It's a letter that he wrote. And he's telling Christians, hey, guys, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. He says to Christians that, that, that we ought to make the most of the time because the days are evil. Oh, that was back then when he was, when he was walking this earth about 2,000 years ago. And he was walking through the Roman Empire. And there was a lot of corruption in the Roman Empire. There was a lot of filth in the Roman Empire. There was a lot of sin in the Roman Empire. We act as if What's happening in the U.S. today has never happened before. It may be somewhat different with technology, but human nature is human nature. It will find a way to sin. It will find a way to sin. The idea that we're gradually getting better 
Come on. That's got to be one of the silliest, well, most foolish ideas on the face of the earth. Is man better today than he was 2,000 years ago? Why are our prisons full? Why are children abused, malnourished, neglected? Why is there so much selfishness? Man is a fallen creature, and, and when you come to Christ, you receive something special. Not only do you receive the salvation of your eternal soul and the promise of a resurrection, but you receive the Holy Spirit who is able to make you and help you walk wisely, not as fools. So Christians, we shouldn't be walking like the world. We should be walking circumspectly. We should be walking with understanding. We should be paying attention to what we're getting involved in. And there's an easy way to do that. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Well, be filled. That's the, that's the admonition of the Apostle Paul. That's the that's the commandment from Paul to the church. Be filled. You've been hearing me preach for a while. If you're here and are your guest, hopefully the church is going to answer the right way right now because they've heard me preach this. Um, where, there's a, where there's a command, there is a... Thank you, Cam. Anyone else remember that? Where there's a command, there's a promise. God doesn't ask us to do what he will not enable us to do. Can I get an amen on that? Commandments are really scary. Why are commandments really scary? Because we're afraid we might not be able to follow through. And so God doesn't leave us wanting once we come to Christ. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit Without him, you can't do anything. In fact, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit inhabits his children. So we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit upon salvation. We talked about that two weeks ago. When you come to God and you ask him to save you in the name of Jesus Christ, you have a visitor who has moved into your home and his name is Holy Spirit. He's hanging out. He's at the house. But now we ask him to fill the house. Now, I'm going to say some things that might be emotional for some of you regarding death of a loved one. And I hope that you will forgive me if I cause some unintentional pain. But I've seen people whose loved ones have passed away their presence isn't there anymore. And the home used to be filled with their presence. Every room touched by the presence of a husband or a wife of many years. Folks, that's a filling. Every room touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we're not filled with him, when we have pushed him into a back closet. We should feel the same way we feel when a loved one passes and we just see leftovers. The filling of the Holy Spirit is so, so important to the life of a Christian. I'm afraid to ask you if you've asked to be filled with the Spirit this week even once. I'm afraid to ask you if as you were driving to church, you said, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. Let your spirit fall upon the congregation. I'm afraid to ask that question because I don't want to see the answer. 
We take for granted our salvation and we are saved and we are redeemed. And once you are saved, you are always saved. You are in the eternal grip of the Father and the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And we walk around as if that's it. But we've been left here for a purpose. And that purpose requires the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a command. Be filled. But it's also a promise. It's a promise. And so being filled is different than being indwelled. And there's a difference between a roommate living with you or a husband and wife living with you. Right? We talked about that two weeks ago. Do you remember that analogy? Like you can have a roommate and then you have a husband or a wife. Let me tell you, it's very, very different. Randy and I were roommates growing up. It's very different to have your wife as your roommate. As much influence as Randy has on me, my wife has more. I don't know why that is, but she has more influence. When you are indwelled, you're sharing your dwelling place. When you are filled, you're sharing your life. It said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are under the influence. How many of you were under the influence this week? It's a trick question. Of the Holy Spirit. I see that hand. You're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it look like? It means that he guides you and directs you and empowers you. Often he'll empower you, he'll empower you to do what you normally wouldn't do. Talk to someone about Jesus. Invite a friend to church. Stand up for what is true. We talked about alcohol being a disinhibitor, suppressing inhibitions, leaving us feeling more impulsive. Well, the Holy Spirit can do the same thing in your life, but with the removal of the inhibitions is the replacement of His ambitions. The Holy Spirit is not our pet. The Holy Spirit is not leashed by us. We should be leashed by him. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you take your body into sin, by the way, you bring the Holy Spirit with you. I was saying that how can we learn to walk as wise? How can we learn not to walk foolishly? Well, you could memorize the entire Bible or you could be filled with the one who wrote it. Which is better? You can be filled with the author of the Holy Bible, or you can try to memorize the whole thing. But even memorizing the whole thing won't give you the power to do it, because the law was written so that we might appear exceedingly guilty before God, so that we might know that we have a desperate need for a Savior. The law without the Holy Spirit lacks power to transform, but with the Holy Spirit, it's a gift. It's honey to our lips. It's a balm to our souls. So to walk wise is to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will draw you to things that you should be drawn to. And He will turn you from things that you should be turned from. It's a relationship. It's like when I'm driving and Trish is in the passenger seat. And I've got the top down. And... Uh, I'm not going to say how fast I'm going because the Holy Spirit probably wouldn't lead me to treat the speed limits as suggestions. But then I have the other Holy Spirit with me in the car. And she says, do you have to drive like this all the time? Or... Why are we in such a rush? And we're, we're not. We have nothing to do. Why are we in such a rush? And I say, I'm not. It's just fun. The Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go, and he guides us and directs us. By the way, I'm, the wife, the helpmeet of Adam, Holy Spirit is our helper. He is not our equal. He is far superior to us. That's why he helps us, because we can't do it. Husbands... You should probably take note of that. 
men, take note of that. You have a wife because y'all can't do it by yourself. Hallelujah. Move on, Pastor. My wife is mad at me. Sorry, guys. I commiserate. In Luke chapter 11, we, we see this gift of the Holy Spirit being bestowed or offered to, to the church. He was praying in a certain place, Jesus. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. So he's teaching you how to pray. Let's not lose the, the, uh, the point of this. He's teaching you how to pray, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? You, you know the Lord's prayer. It's an example to us for how to pray. And then he says now, he now also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Okay, so you following with me. He's knocking at your door at midnight. I was not filled with the spirit when a knock came to my door on an early Saturday morning, I think. My wife knows what I'm about to say. There was a young person, and, and he, was, he was an adult, but acting like a child and doing all sorts of foolish things, and he was drinking, and he was at a bar, and then he was at a Walmart, and he walked to Hooksit from Derry. And just the Sunday before this Saturday, the Wednesday before this Saturday, I'd warned him, my daughter Kirsten has psychosis. She's not doing well. Do not come to my house. You will scare her. Do not come to my house. Does that seem reasonable to you folks? Every now and then the pastor's house gets knocks on the door. It's part of the game. It's part of the rule. Uh, but I warn this kid, don't come to my house. Kirsten's not doing well. What does he do at four o'clock in the morning or however early it was? Dude, let me tell you, I don't think I lose my temper frequently. My kids know that I can get angry. I don't think they've ever seen me really angry. And I'm in bed with my wife because we do sleep together. I recommend it. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I recommend other things too, but um, that's another message for another day. And I'm like, are you beeping kidding me. Are you kidding me right now? And my wife, who represents the Holy Spirit, says, stay in bed. Let me take care of it. And I said, yes, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Trish is shaking her head. He did not listen to the Holy Spirit that day. And I did not. If I had been given the gun that I have now from a friend of mine, I may have been tempted to use it. I was that angry. You don't understand how hard it was with Kirsten. She would scream and howl until she was too tired to scream and howl. She would catch her breath, and then she would just say over and over and over, Daddy, help me, Daddy, help me, Daddy, help me. Day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. She slept about three hours a night. And this kid had the audacity to knock on my door when I warned him about it. What would you have done? I was going to. In fact, she said, punch him in the jaw. I'm not a violent man. I've only hit somebody once or twice in my life. I was being bullied, so I punched the kid in the face, and he stopped bullying me. I highly recommend it. Um, Randy's the fighter. I'm the lover. I came to the door, and I said, what are you doing here? I told you. Oh, I forgot. Now, remember, I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. 
said, can you give me a ride home? I'm like, what? Are you kidding me right now? I walked all the way here from Derry. I'm like, well, then you can walk all the way home. <laughs> what kind of Christian are you? What kind of Christian are you? And here's how you should answer that. Let me tell you what kind of Christian I am. I want to kill you right now. I want to kill you. Get off my porch and get out of my house. I'm like, call your grandfather. He wouldn't dare call his grandfather. So I kicked him off the porch, and, and I almost lost it. A friend of mine on a journey came to me at midnight because his friend came to him. You follow what I'm saying now? Uh, I was not filled with the Spirit. I can readily admit that. If I was filled with the Spirit, I would have still said no to him. Because this young man has been enabled a lot of his life. I would have still said no, and it would have been the Christian thing to do because he needed to learn a lesson. And it was righteous for me to be angry at him, but not to tell him I wanted to kill him. It was not righteous for me to get out of bed. I should have just let my wife handle it, especially since she told me, I'll take care of it. And she was angry, but we tend to have different temperaments. Anyways, this... this this friend comes to this friend, and when he says friend, by the way, this is not a psychotic young man that's banging on my door. This is actually a really good friend, by the way. The, the, the original language is we learn that, that this, was, this was almost a, a relative-type friend. Hello? So, he goes to his close friend. He's like, dude, somebody came to my house, one of my friends, they need some bread, I don't have anything. Now this guy's going to start making excuses. He'll answer from inside and say, don't bother me! I want to kill you! The door is already locked and my children, I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. This is a whole teaching that we went through for about an hour on a Wednesday night Bible study. I don't have time to compress it here, but the point of this is that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And a lot of people take persistence as the point. Because of his shameless boldness, his persistence, he kept knocking. Knock, 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 knock. Kept knocking, kept knocking until the guy finally got out of bed and gave him as much as he wanted. Jesus' point in this is the guy that's in bed is in the wrong, not the guy that's knocking on the door. Now, y'all are thinking it was the opposite way around. This shameless boldness, this persistent knocking was important because this fella had a need. And he also knew that his friend had what he needed. So the guy gets up. Now, we tend to think of this as our relationship with, with God the Father, don't we? Like this, oh, this is teaching on prayer, right? I need to persistently beg God. I gotta, and there's nothing wrong with coming to God with persistence and prayer and prayer, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Shameless boldness. You know that you can't do it, but he can, right? There's, a, there's this... I don't care. Who knows that I can't do this? I need you, Jesus. Right? I follow a guy on Instagram, and he's got a phrase, Jesus fix it. Oh, Jesus fix it. Like, he just, I can't deal with this. That should be our whole life, by the way. I can't, I can't do it. Shameless boldness in approaching the throne of God. But what, what, what this parable is, is a parable of contrast, not comparison. 
When we look at parables, a lot of times we think they're all comparison, they're all equal, they're all showing exact like for like. But in this case, Jesus is teaching a different way. He's teaching a parable of contrast. So he's showing you the father in contrast with this neighbor, with this friend. The father is nothing like the friend in bed. Are y'all tracking with me right now? The father is nothing like the friend in bed. The father doesn't say, go away, I'm sleeping. The father doesn't say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Go bake your own bread. That's not what the father's saying. He's much different than the friend. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to get across. When you pray, don't pray as if your Father in heaven doesn't want to hear from you, because he does. In fact, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's not talking to people that are living wonderful and holy lives either when he says that. Oh, you read James chapter 4, James is preaching a sermon to the church that is a mess. He is lighting in to the church of Jesus Christ. But then as he's coming to the middle end part of his letter, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's no question. Is is there a question in that? Is there a question in that? Is there a question mark? Inflection in the voice, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What does it say? And he will. So is there a promise there? What is the promise? Oh, it's conditional promise, isn't it? What is the condition of the promise? What is it? Draw near to him. He will draw near to you. Forgiveness isn't free. It costs Jesus a lot, by the way. And he doesn't just give a blanket forgiveness to the world. The entire world is not forgiven of their sins only on the condition that they believe and they turn to God. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they turn to God the Father. That is the condition. If you won't do that, you will not be forgiven. You will not have a home in heaven. Your destiny is hell, eternal separation from God. But he provided the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, for you. The same here, conditional promise. Draw near to God. He will draw, and he's talking to Christians. Christians, we can push the Holy Spirit into the back closet if we want to. But when we repent, when we are convicted of our sin and we turn back to God and we ask for forgiveness, we are already forgiven through the blood of Jesus. There is no question mark on the forgiveness of your sin either. There is no question. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is he faithful? That means he always will uh, because he is God and he is good. An angel led that worship song today. It was so moving to me because sometimes we live lives and we think God is not good. And we see a daughter with psychosis and we see, we see a daughter with a disability and, and we see what's the good in that? And that's where faith comes in. God is good because he is good, not because of my experiences. That's free. Take that home. Put it in an envelope. Look at it later. So his friend gets up to give him as much as he needs. So I say to you. Now Jesus is continuing. He's continuing this thought. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. You will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. Okay? Are you all, you're all with me on that? Uh, for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, what happened to the friend who had a friend who needed some bread? He went to the door, and he was knocking, and the guy wouldn't open it. So he kept knocking, and he kept yelling, and he kept knocking, and finally the guy comes down the stairs, and like, fine, here. 
That's not how it is with, with God the Father. We're about to see why. Look at what it says. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Now, while you might think that's funny and could be a great practical joke, you're missing the point. What, uh, or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, what did we say at the beginning of this? Is mankind getting better, staying the same, or basically getting worse? I mean, it's either staying the same, which was bad, or getting worse. We're not getting better and better. We're not going to usher in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. We are not all millennialists. We do not believe that we are going to make the earth and the kingdoms of men better and better and better and better. This earth is destined to be destroyed and reborn and remade. That's another thing. Put it in your envelope. Take it home. If you then being evil, in other words, we have this bent nature, but you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the heavenly Father give? So you see, the parable is a parable of contrast. He's showing them that when you go to your friend and your friend turns you down and you have to beg and plead and bang and scream and whine and fuss, you don't have to go to the Father like that because when you, when you, when you ask, it is given to you. When, you. when you seek, you'll find. When you knock, it's open to you. Sometimes you do have to do this journey of determining the will of God, especially if you're not living in the Spirit. But when we're living and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our prayers are free flowing. I'll see where this is going, Lord. How to be filled. How to be filled. Well, we just went over it, but uh, let's, let's just say it very briefly. How are we to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Ask Him. Clean up your act. You can't without the filling of the Holy Spirit. You mean I don't have to be perfect to be filled with the Spirit? The only way you can be perfect is to be filled with the Spirit. You can't be perfect without Him. You follow? That's why I was somewhat apprehensive to ask the question, how many of you asked to be filled with the Spirit this week? You follow? We need to be asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Now, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And so what happened was Jesus came to this fig tree, and it didn't have any figs. And so he cursed the fig tree, and, uh, and then they walked away. Now, there's all sorts of theories on why he cursed the fig tree, what it represents. And, and one of the main things is that it represented the nation of Israel because they had rejected Jesus, and he was saying, okay, your time is over for now. We're going to the Gentiles, etc. But regardless, we're going to, that, that's why this fig tree is dry. They, they get back to the fig tree that he cursed. And when he cursed it, nothing happened. Nothing visible at first. But now they're walking back by it, and they're going, what? What just happened? Peter remember and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you which you curses with it away. And Jesus said to them, answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, what is the, what is the next word? What do you have to do? What do you have to do? Believe. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, we've talked a lot about where there's a command, there is a? Oh, man, come on. Where there's a command, there's a? Promise. So he says, ask the Father and he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He might give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Is that what it says? He will, Right? How much more will the Father? Oh, man. Come on. Come on, folks. Most assuredly, I say to you, 
He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, for he will, these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we tend to think that if we ask anything, he will do it. That Jesus is building upon that. And making sure that they understand, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit to discern what it is you should ask for. In fact, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're being led by the Holy Spirit, your desires come into alignment with the desires of God. And so, of course, when you ask Him for anything, He will give it because it is in perfect alignment with your Father in heaven. Oh, come on, man. If you love me, John chapter 14, 12 now, or 15, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How are we filled? We said, by asking. But it's not just the asking. It's by faith when you're asking. If you're asking for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and there's doubt in your mind, forget about it. Forget about it. This is why I've tried to build this message with each passage teaching you, one, the character of God. He wants to give you good gifts, and the main gift would be the Holy Spirit after salvation. He wants to give you good gifts. He's not like that obstinate friend upstairs in his bedroom trying to ignore the banging on the door. In fact, it's the opposite, I would say. Jesus, behold, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. If any man will open... He will come in to him and sup with him. That is, that is a, the letter to one of the churches in the, in the book of Revelation. The church had closed its door on the Holy Spirit. The church had closed its door on Jesus, but he was the one persistently knocking on the door. We've got it the other way around. We need faith. We've got to believe that God will keep his promise. We're not filled if we live perfect lives. Uh, we don't toss the dice, and if it comes up all sixes, that means we're, we're going to be filled that day. It's not a game of chance. It's a game of truth. Lord, fill me. Believe it, and you will be filled. Ask and trust. Ask and trust. Where there's a commandment, there is a? Oh, guys. Where there is a commandment, there is a? Y'all need the Holy Spirit. I want, to say, I want to say that Christians, and I want to use a bad word, I really do. We see so many Christians today behaving so poorly, me included, that we're an embarrassment to our Savior Jesus. We treat people as if they're the scum of the earth when they were created in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our language is terrible. I'm convicted by that right now. Our language is terrible. Now, if the Holy Spirit were filling us, it would be joy to speak with edification. I preached a series several years ago. I believe it's on YouTube. Don't corrupt, build up. Don't corrupt, build up. So many husbands and wives, you have failed. You have failed to build your spouses up and you wonder why your marriage bleeps. We, we fail because we are not filled. We fail because we are not filled. Can I say it again? We fail because we are not filled. We talked about being drunk and being reckless and being in a, in, uninhibited. 
Well, this is what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There was one more thing that I wanted to share with you on that. You will submit to one another. This is what he says. Speaking to yourselves, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, submitting to one another. And I wanted to bring that out because I think sometimes we miss the beauty of humility. Without humility, none of us would be saved from hell and death today. And I'm not even talking about your humility. I'm talking about Jesus who humbled himself and obeyed his father to the death and went to the cross for our sins. But we walk around in our arrogance with each other and toward each other. Or when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're willing to just submit to one another. Not jockeying for position. Man, I'll preach. That's why it's in there. Pride and arrogance take the backseat in the life of a believer full of the Holy Spirit. Now turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. These are some of my lesser known Kirsten verses. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Folks, the whole creation is groaning. The earth, the heavens, the trees, the mountains, the animals, everything knows that something is wrong. You ever think about that? This earth was created pristine and perfect and beautiful. And it's not just that man has been irresponsible with the environment. It's that this earth has been cursed because of the sin of Adam, because of the temptation of Satan. Folks, the earth is groaning. It longs to see the children of God as we truly are. It longs to be reborn in that same pristine condition with no sin and no curse. And that will happen one day, but it's groaning. Ah. And so are we. As believers, you may not realize that, but somewhere within you is this groaning. Or there, there should be this groaning. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies, our bodies are corrupt. Did you know every single one of you is dying? From the day you're born, you're dying. Each day that passes is another day closer to death. Thank you for coming to Emmanuel. I'll see you next week. <laughs> so glad I came to church today. I'm so lifted up. Everybody's dying. Well, we're groaning for this adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Listen, these bodies are going in the ground, but they're going to be raised incorruptible like Jesus Christ. Now, this hope, in this hope we were saved, not, but not hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Some of us less than others. But we eagerly wait for the resurrection. One day I'm going to have a brand new body. It's not going to have these bends towards sin. It's going to be free. Oh, man. Looking forward to that day. In, some, in the same way that creation groans and that we groan, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness because we do not know what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. Hallelujah. The Spirit groans for us when we can't articulate what we know we need. When we don't even know what we need. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we want to be filled with the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. 
Pray in the Spirit. First of all, pray in the Spirit. (laughs) Oh, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. Not just His power. Not Not just His power, but His presence. Because with His presence, not only comes power, but becomes purpose. With his presence becomes, comes wisdom, comes instruction, comes guidance. Folks, we need, to be, we need to learn how to pray with and in the Spirit. He groans for us to be freed from this vessel and this curse, the sin that dwells within. The Holy Spirit translates our hearts when we don't even know how to speak to the Father. So we pray in the Spirit, we pour our hearts out to Him, we hold nothing back. We ask and allow Him to search our hearts and translate our hearts to the Father through the Son. How many of you prayed like that? How many of you are praying in the Holy Spirit? Oh God, I don't even know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Folks, we need to learn how to pray in the Spirit and then be quiet and allow Him to speak to the Father with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, I know some of you are all like, ooh, you're skirting on the edge of tongues, Pastor. I'm just reading the Scripture. Let the Holy Spirit translate your heart to the Father. You ever been at that place where you just couldn't Speak, you didn't know what to say. And so you're just like, I got nothing, God. I got nothing. Don't be discouraged when you got nothing. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak for you. Oh, that's a good place to be. Because when you finally get to the place where you've got nothing, you have everything. Pray in the Spirit. We are not alone with our thoughts when we pray. We are not unaided when we pray. And we do not need to figure out what the right words are when we pray. Every time we come to the Father in prayer, the Holy Spirit is ready with us. So as we've built this message today, where did we start? I wanted to emphatically teach you that the Father wants to fill you. I wanted you to understand that Jesus is standing at the door knocking. We don't have to kick our neighbor's door in. The Father is not the lousy friend. He wants to answer our prayers in particular, this prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the idea of this message is to fill you with faith so that when you do finally begin to ask to be filled with the Spirit daily, you will be filled with the Spirit daily because you ask with faith. Do you believe that if you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, that he will? Well, what does the Scripture say? What kind of a dad do we have? Do we have a worldly dad or is God in heaven our father who loves to give good gifts to his children? He loves it. What dad doesn't love giving good gifts to his kids? I mean, sometimes I'll pick on Nate and Chloe and Kirsten how to get Nate a new lacrosse stick again. How old was your lacrosse stick? Six months. Oh, it went six months. All right, well, I'll give you that. And you guys, lacrosse stick, you're thinking, oh, it's just a stick. It's a $150 stick. I don't regret buying my son a new stick. I love him. I want him to clean the porch now. I want him to clean the sun porch. I want him to wash my car. But no, I love it. It's a gift. You don't have to earn a gift. I didn't get him a lacrosse stick because he earned it. Chloe came to my house the other day. I'm, just, I'm, I'm going there. She, she texted me the other day. She goes, Dad? <clears throat> Dad? Chloe, she's pinned to the top here. Not the very top. 
Let me see here if I can, if I can read what, what she said. Oh, she sent me a picture. It's perfume. It's perfume that Trish and I got her for Christmas, what, like five years ago? Two or three years ago. She really wanted it, so we bought it for her for Christmas. Now, she's married. She's an old married lady now. Her husband is doing really well. Uh, she's doing really well. They just bought a puppy. He's pretty cool. He looks like an Ewok. She sends me that picture. She says, she says, more please. And I'm thinking, this isn't supposed to happen. I'm free. So what do you, what do you think I did? Well, first of all, I researched it and I'm like, holy smoke. I go, I'll get right on it. And then I'm like, um, what the heck? That's some expensive stuff. And she says, but I'm your favorite kid. And I said, I can't confirm or deny that. Yeah, we all know it's Nate. That's how we do. So I researched that stupid perfume. And then I'm like, well, I'm not buying it for full price because I am Eric. And I found it on eBay, un, uh, uh, brand new, unopened, for like 20 bucks cheaper, or 10 bucks, 15 bucks cheaper. Anyways, what did I do? What did I do? Sent Nick the link. Yeah, that is what I should have done. Angel, so much smarter than me. How he loved. That's the song we're going to close with. She's not my child anymore. She's my daughter. She'll always be my daughter, but she's not my child anymore. But she'll always be my daughter. And I love my daughter. And I love my son. And we love giving good gifts. Folks, that's what a good dad does. Your father in heaven is far superior to any father, even the good ones, on earth. Hey, all Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God. Get out there and be the blessing. Thank you.